0: In October of 2002, Little John and the Eastside Boys released The Kings of Crunk. It was an album that came at the time where Crunk was just becoming uh, a color in hip hop. People were starting to recognize who Little John was by his voice, mannerisms, and style. I remember the song Get Low which features the Ying Yang twins because of a moment that happened at a grocery store. I come from parents who were pretty careful about language in our household. They didn't really curse around us. If they were, you know, wanting to exclaim certain words, they would spell them out. So we knew what words we could say and what we couldn't say, even when we started listening to hip hop with explicit lyrics. And I remember my little brother being in the aisle And for no reason at all He just said Ah skeet skeet And I saw it in my dad's eyes Like I saw it very clear He said something he wasn't supposed to say Now we didn't know this Because it was on the radio But we recognized In that moment He had did something he was not supposed to do And I also realized at that moment That little John had something Magnetic about him That he was someone you wanted to copy, to imitate, to you know, have that same kind of energy he carried on his records. So it came as no surprise that Dave Chappelle two years later would want to copy Little John, to mimic little John, to be Little John. This is the something to say podcast.
1: That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome a for a lot of day. reasons. Cause A like, I mean, I'm obviously your dad understood skeet skeet. Yeah, yeah. my dad's cool. <laughs> yeah, my, my dad's, dad's cool. I guess that's a, like I think I could have slipped that one past my parents. Really? I think, cause I don't know that it's skeet skeet, I don't know how old your dad is, but like my parents are like older, older. So uh-huh. I feel like skeet skeet probably would have like slipped right past their radar of foul things to say <laughs> that's uh, awesome
0: my dad's not too old he just turned 50 maybe like two years ago
1: yeah also oh, he's so he's, a, so he's oh. a product of the gender of, right. the, of the culture right right yeah, right yeah, yeah. And my
0: little brother was four years younger than me he was only seven at the time mm. so obviously he had no idea what he was saying clearly but of course he he is getting low on the radio and it just sounds like fun (laughs) yeah (laughs) like whatever that word means it's a good time
1: time. (laughs) that's a pretty (laughs) accurate conveyance of like emotion through it's it's skeet technically is onomatopoeia right i mean i think so technically like (laughs) it's like it's it's what you're saying the sound of coming sounds like Like it's a product. It's a, it's a product of. I mean, Very you know, it's like specific. it's like boom, pow, slap, smack, <laughs> skeet. Like
0: it's like, all. I'm glad you use all the Batman sounds.
1: Yeah, I mean that's how you know that was that was a real teaching device for me back. I in the would day. never like, want
2: you to be an English teacher. However, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I in, mean, yeah, you can't teach that to kids. Or well, maybe if you teach sex ed, I don't know. You can't. You say you can't say. Never mind. I'm not even gonna say that. <laughs> See, um, so you Trello. I'm Jai.
2: I'm Christina.
1: I'm Yo. And um, as you've heard, we are talking about the first time Lil John appeared on the Dave Chappelle show. The Chappelle show. I think it was February
2: 25th. Well, appeared as an actually appeared. We're talking specifically about the moment that Dave well, the, Chappelle. Well,
1: yeah. The, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. I'm sorry. The moment that Dave Chappelle appeared as Lil John on his own show. Was February 25th, 2004. Four. So, season the first season. Season two. Season two. Chappelle show. Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Episode six, I believe. The funny part about that is that when I looked at Lil John's discography, like I knew who Lil John was, obviously, before the Chappelle show. But I've been living here in Atlanta for, you know, several years. And uh-huh. I feel like if you've been in this city or you kind of paid attention to Southern hip hop, you knew who Lil John was. So, it wasn't necessarily like the most surprising thing in the world. But in 2004, um, well, just before that episode, uh, before that episode came out, he put out Certified Crunk like a couple of months before that, I think, like November mm. 2003. Okay. And I feel like Certified Crunk had like, I guess what you would call like local hits or like regional records that we love, but Lil Jon wasn't exactly the household name yet that he was getting ready to be.
2: What was an example of some of the regional records that were on Certified Crunk?
1: Um... What was on Certified Crunk? I think Get Crunk. Oh, Get Crunk! I think, I there. think Get Crunk was on Certified. Krunk, okay, gotcha, if I'm not gotcha. mistaken. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was probably from what I looked from looking at the tracklist, and that was probably the biggest song on the album at that time. Hmm. At mm-hmm. least the song that you would hear like on the radio mm-hmm. or see the video of more often than not.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know if it was on that album, but Freak a Little Something. Was like really yeah. big Let's see. locally, and I didn't know Toont made that beat until the other day looking that up. It's um, I heard it growing up in like skating the rinks and like teen clubs and stuff. That was I didn't even realize it was a little John record. You don't. Even, it doesn't even sound like a crunk record. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's been he was around for a while um, in different spaces. You know, John Ayenard over mm-hmm. at So So Def. He DJed. And then he started, you know, uh, his his journey as an artist, I think, in 2001. Right. uh, Like early 2000s. So it's like his history in Atlanta ran so deep that I feel like a lot of records could have just been locally just based on his presence here. Um, Knowing A&Rs and knowing DJs and knowing what works in clubs. Yeah. I feel like a lot of records, even if they didn't break on a regional side, like they were very local. They got around.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It was interesting kind of revisiting the moment that Dave Chappelle started imitating Lil Jon specifically because it's like these are two thirty somethings that are really finally coming into their own after like putting more than a decade into their career, right? Like Lil Jon getting a start as a DJ, you know, teaming up with Emperor Cersei so that they're, you know, opening for or DJing for like the Biggie and Biggie tour, right? Um, it, it's kind of remarkable because I guess like the, the closest equivalent that we have to that with Dave Chappelle is like a failed sitcom by the name of Buddies, I think Mm -hmm. out of like 11 failed attempts to get his own sitcom and like a random appearance is like the random black friend and you got mail. Like there's no other reason why he appears in this universe, but, but yeah, exactly. It was just kind of like, it's interesting how much they had in common in the sense that like they put in all this time. Into their respective industries. And yet it wasn't until this very moment where it's like, what, approaching 10, 15, 20 years into their career, where it's like they really became like their peak cells, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The thing I thought interesting of that too is that I watched the interview, or if you can call it an interview, TMZ caught Lil John coming out of the airport in LA.
2: Oh, this is a recent one.
1: Yeah, this was probably back in 2016. Yeah, yeah, or. yeah. And you know, the guy asked him about the Chappelle show and asked him about the skit. And John basically said, you know, he jokes with Dave that, you know, you ruined my life. Like I can't walk yes. around anywhere without people coming up to me saying, What? And all of that crazy shit. But then the other part of it is that he said was that he feels like Dave opened the door for more people to hear his music that he thought wouldn't hear his music otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was kind of interesting because not this Chappelle show was a secret. I mean, obviously it was a huge hit show, but I guess I didn't I didn't think about Dave Chappelle, even despite the fact of it being a hit show, I still don't look at Dave Chappelle like it was a huge mainstream thing that people watching the Chappelle show wouldn't have ever heard of Little John. But when you I guess when you think about it, right. I, it that's oh, probably true.
2: Contrary. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you, I did not watch Chappelle show when it was out. I knew people who had the DVD right. which went on to sell like more than 3 million copies. So my way of hearing about Dave Chappelle and with that little John was with, <laughs> Angela's going to kill me for saying this, but my college roommate Angela throughout college was dating this dude named Jeff. Okay. And Jeff throughout all four of those years that I actually knew him would only limit Dave Chappelle doing little John. Doing the what? <laughs> doing the okay, like for the entire time that I knew him. And this dude was hella white, right? So like coming from my end, it's interesting looking back on it because Chappelle show on Comedy Central, you have to, it's easy to kind of take this stuff for granted now, but at that time, Chappelle show being preceded by South Park was like a huge coup because it was like, okay, we have all these white, white folks like tuning in. Or whatever so you know that carryover was huge
0: yeah
1: that's yeah. a good point that's it's, a very good it's point
0: ridiculous i i think i think i'm similar job where i really felt like Chappelle's show was fubu <laughs> <I spy>. <laughs> <laughs> so only we were watching mm-hmm. you know i didn't really recognize that it was a global phenomenon and i remember looking up interviews with john he was saying that like 50 year old white women was running up to him at right. the airport after the chappelle's like show skit and he, he became such a a person of pop culture after that you know you could recognize little john by his voice by you know you knew what a crunk record was but that isolated the man from the music you know that mm. gave an ad-lib a uh, place in the front and center you know ad-libs is in the back track these right. are ad-libs on stage the whole record the entire right <laughs> So. Like it was
1: broken up in, like, the sections of ad-libs. <laughs> <laughs> Sweets of ad <ad-libs. laughs>
0: like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that turned John into something else. Like, turned him all the way up. And um, MTV did a piece back in uh, 2004. It was in June where Usher and John and Ludacris went to TRL to perform. Yeah. Oh, my mm. God. And... As the story says, it's like they get there and everyone's yelling at Little John. <laughs> they're just doing the yeah, like Usher's going crazy, like they're doing the what? <laughs> yeah. This is on TRL, and and they're just loving it. You yeah, know, like they right. said John breaks out the uh, Rick James skit for the camera. Like maybe they they just start having a ball, and that just to me shows like this is still Usher. All right, this is Usher Usher right. Usher era, lovers yeah. and friends. You on TRL, which was wasn't what it was in the '90s, but it was still significant to you know music and music videos. And you have the entire audience quoting Chappelle's Show. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, you know, like yeah. To me, like the significance of that, and everything about John's Run to me is very crazy about that time because, and at the end of 2003, Freaky came out, right, which was December, and then you had yeah. In January, and you had Chappelle in February. Wow, that's John's run. And I, what I didn't know I, while researching this, I realized that P D Pablo Freaka Leak was originally um, a beat made for Mystical. Yep, Mystical was com- well, John was commissioned to make fifteen beats for Mystical, and they had a bunch of leftovers. He only took two beats, so one of the beats was Freaka Leak, and they and the label ended up giving that. PD Pablo, but John didn't know that, so he gave it to Usher for yeah. So originally, yeah, recorded over Freak a Leak, but mm. then John heard PD play the record and he was like, Oh man, I just gave this to Usher. But they was like, The label, like, we're not letting it go, it's all, yeah, this, this is, our is our record, <laughs> yeah. this so, is all we got. So, John, being the hot commodity at the time, made a whole nother beat for Usher for yeah. And wow. this is after Confessions was done, they went back in. Because they thought he needed a record. Right. Like you need a record. Something to jump this thing off with. Mm-hmm. Usher thought Byrne was the record. L.A. Reid thought Byrne was the record. But they said we need one more. So that's when they end up getting Yeah. So did you know that Yeah was leaked early? Yeah. So what I, did. I didn't know was that was because they wanted to see if it was going to work. And it happened to catch such a spin that Byrne was pushed back as the second single. Mm. that just to me just shows how impactful those first three months of 2004 was for Lil John yeah like he was catching records he was on TV so all of this is just going to escalate up to November where they dropped lovers and friends like yeah. he ran 2004 for man. sure it w- it wasn't
1: anybody's year but, <laughs> but little John yeah <laughs> um and so I guess the thing that I thought about in in that context is maybe even more of a question, is that obviously, like we're talking about, there were maybe people who didn't know about Lil John who were watching the Chappelle show to find out about him. And mm-hmm. but rap music was already a big deal, but it was getting it was becoming a bigger and bigger deal yeah. at that time. And people, at some point you would think, okay, maybe they would have found out about Lil John. But I wonder if it being accelerated that much by the Chappelle show, there was part of me that wondered like was it uncomfortable for John? Mm. For I mean he said it jokingly, yeah, you ruined my life and like, you know, who knows how much of that is, you know, the truth and jest. Yeah. But you just have to wonder like here's Dave Chappelle.
2: Uh-huh.
1: A black guy uh-huh. who is doing like a parody of another black guy mm-hmm. and he's doing it for white eyes. Mm who some of them are, you know, they're laughing at it, they're loving it, they might be hearing the music, they might not be, but uh-huh. it's funny, it's interesting that the thing that made Lil John blow up and give him those eyes is those same eyes that made Dave Chappelle uncomfortable and run away from $50 million.
2: Right, like, I don't think, I don't think Chappelle was like, I'm gonna get those white college boys who watch South Park. I don't yeah, think that yeah, was yeah. the intention Chappelle's all. show. At all. If anything, that fact made him uncomfortable, but it is an interesting conundrum. Like, when i was like re-watching the actual skits itself like part of me wondered like whether this was in the same category of the loving impressions that he gave to rick james or prince mm-hmm. or whether it was something a little bit more derivative and reductive than that because what i had to really think about is like well, why am i laughing And it really kind of came down to, I guess, maybe like Dave Chappelle's like spot on impression of him and stuff. But then other than that, like what's really the crux of the joke? Is it just that Lil John is just this tiny little being that has these two extremes in his personality? Like, what are we laughing at here?
1: Right. And I guess the other part of that is that in that that skit in the airport, it might have read differently if the lady behind the counter was black. Mm. But I think part of the joke, at least from how it feels when you're watching it, part of the joke is here's hood-ass Lil' John who has this duality to him, who was probably smarter than the lady behind the counter, but he has this thing that he's known for that he's doing for this white woman, and you know she's playing it straight. She's a straight guy in the situation, and Lil' John is like the comic relief.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. But there was angles to it that in 2019 feel a little different. I guess just because of like maybe some of how we're being conditioned socially and the things that we're learning and maybe more sensitive to but like you said when I watched it I still laughed mm-hmm. but I noticed the other things too and it just kind of made me wonder like I, what does that mean anything or what does what does it does that say anything about yeah The skit, or you know, the little John, not little John as personally, but just what does that say about the character that little John was that we still love?
0: Right, because it comes down to like the character. The thing was, Prince was a person that we really couldn't peg, he was a mystery. Right, so it leaves so much uh, room for Dave to impersonate this person, a mystery. Same thing with Rick James, but with John, his character was very spot on. Right, you know, we knew what it was because it appears in the songs, it appears in the videos. To Crunk Juice Cup, you know, you could recognize who Little John was. It, to me, I don't think we recognize the layers to his personality mm. unless mm-hmm. you, you know you really dug deep. So I feel like that can become a little uncomfortable when you recognize that who's all laughing, right? You know, who's all are in on this joke now that might not be in on you know who he is beyond this
2: yeah yeah for sure for sure and like this might
1: just be like um like this might just be like weird black guy ears but like even as i watch the skit and i'm watching it i almost feel like the first studio audience you laugh sounds like a white woman laugh like it's it sounds like a white person laughed at it before anybody else did, wow. like and that could I could be totally wrong. I'm not like a ear scientist. I'm not like a uh, uh, you know I don't, whatever <laughs> whatever you call an an aural scientist. No. But like it just sounded like there was like in the track. It could have been a laugh track too. I get nah, that laugh tracks. Did I don't they do think any, so. did they do any I think
0: track? there was only one episode they had a live track on. Okay.
2: But that's what Chappelle's show is kind of famous for, like the live audience. The live audience, yeah, Key right. And, uh, Key and Peele would try to do with their show. Right, also. exactly. Re- yeah, recreate
0: yeah. that kind of feeling.
2: Right, right, right.
1: But I just thought that part of it was interesting as I'm watching it and thinking about it in retrospect and thinking about, like I said, just the fact that Chappelle... Because when he, when he left, this was 2004, when Chappelle left it was what? 2000... What they both
2: crashed and burned like Sixth? right around the same time. Like... like No, I'm serious. Was it early six? uh, Because it was after this season where they would get the 50, he would get offered the $50 million deal and then he
1: backed up. And he was out of there. Like, all right, this is too much.
2: Yeah. And then pretty much like immediately, you know, after all this, TBT, which is the independent label that he, the little John founded, you know, went through some bankruptcy bullshit. Right. And then Mm. before you know it, Years go by before and his next album. Six come year
1: out. hiatus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I mean, during that hiatus, I guess like John was doing, wasn't he doing EDM or wasn't he DJing mm. like big festivals and all that, that, you that you other know kind what? of what He's.
2: We talk about how Drake and Cardi B scored big by doing Vegas residencies in the year 2019, but like Lil John has always been there. He's he was on t- that way. Yeah, yeah, way way early. So you know, it's not to say he hasn't found a place for himself. Totally the opposite.
0: Right. I would love to see the timeline of what he was doing between those six years cuz I don't think he he didn't drop an album, where he was not releasing mixtapes, but he was busy. Yeah. Like yeah, I don't think like, he was. I mean, never shit, stopped some of that work. time he was with the Trump and the Apprentice.
2: Right. <laughs> so like, like Absolutely.
0: I think that was I think
2: Absolutely. that was a few
1: years removed from that 2000 cause I don't know what year that was he did. Let me see what's No, that's what some had. of his
2: most t- recent TV interviews. Yeah, it's so, funny yeah. because it's like yeah, 2004. Dave chappelle goes on to conan o'brien and then the first the last studio audience member who you hear cheering imitates him's impression of little john and it sounds like a white dude i'm not right. a oral scientist yeah, either, yeah, yeah. but it sounds like that
1: yeah 2011
2: and then when you're trying to search for little john interviews it was like the closest i could find around that time was like a howard stern interview but then other than that it's just about like him being on the apprentice and like trying to avoid gary Busey's wrath and then showing that clip of Meatloaf going absolutely bananas <laughs> over some fucking art supplies. That's why he was being on TV.
1: And I guess that like even that part of it just make me question more about damn like how good for him was it?
2: Hmm. I think And I don't know
1: that the, I don't know that his like hiatus necessarily was directly related to the Chappelle show or anything right. like that. I mean, all or most Rap artist or hip hop artist, you know, burn real hot for a while through whatever their run is, and then it yeah. cools off. Some mm-hmm. he just I took I guess took more steps away from music during that time than maybe
0: some people would have. It's kind of weird because he had solidified where Crunk was, you know, like he solidified like the sound and the mood and the energy, which you know Walker came up behind him right. and took to, say, to the yeah. next level. Yeah, like, but it was recognizable when Walker did Harden the Pain. It was recognizable when they kind of came up and you felt like Grove Street was what little John would have been doing around right. that same time. Uh, so it's a big question mark of what would have happened if he kind of continued, because the thing was, it wasn't like he, he aged out. You know, he- No, not at all. No. It was he who stepped away, not necessarily like the industry. Like the industry was turning crunk. It was turning- like Yeah, he, for sure. He was high. He was on fire. So being so high, you have to think about, did did he consider, man, I need to continue striking while everything is burning up right now? Or, you know, what was going through his mind when he decided that I don't need to put things out right now?
2: Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Well, I think he was seeing as a... Like, here's the thing. I think that if critics weren't so hell-bent on trying to figure out what exactly he was... Like the Village Voice, as Greg Tate called him, like something like a minstrel poser genius, and I think what right when that when such a label like that is attached to yourself, it's like that tends to overshadow like everything, because like I think what John was doing, like I think he was looking at it still from like a DJ's perspective, you know, because like he didn't necessarily go away; he was just seeing that for his type of music albums weren't necessarily the thing that was like popping
1: you do all let me see you do it let me see you do it hey snap do you do by let me see you do it let me see you do it hey snap you you
0: your you hey, you hey, with
2: media being still being centralized in new york specifically like hip-hop's birthplace there's still some sort of disconnect between what was happening in the south and like what makes its culture particularly unique and what these media would call like hip-hop and what would qualify as such right because it wasn't until andre 3000 kind of came forward and was like listen kronk is just punk you know all that stuff. that people are like, "Oh, okay, all right, we get it. We'll listen to you and all this other
1: stuff." <laughs> well, yeah, it's always it that ambassador. There's always somebody <laughs> that translates the shit. To
2: I know, and we can always it. count on Andre three thousand. But I think that's just what I was getting at. It was it was just that I think for for because the that sort of stigma was present in the beginning of Crunk's ascent into the mainstream. I think that accounts for maybe Lil Jon being underestimated in the sense of. Like his influence on music, and even just like his overall like business savvy, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't think he gets talked about in the same way that a lot of our other Atlanta hip hop legends do.
0: Brandon you know? was crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could be, I could be wrong. I don't recall any other popular Southern artists at that time having the liquor. Like he yeah, had crunk juice Mm-mm.
2: with horny goat weed.
1: <laughs> it, was, it was horny go weed this is all very on brand all of it on brand. <laughs> all, all very on brand food. He, he
0: had the fangs he had the cup yeah you know it was it's funny that he had like the east side boys with him but he was like the father the son and the holy ghost of Crunk. yeah for he sure was everything everything Crunk was associated with little john like he made the brand he made the sound and Thinking back, because I was I was playing some records today, and I was into the B.I.B.I. and I was like, man, why didn't we get a little John? Why did we get a ludicrous little, little John produce album? Yeah, he sounded great on <sighs> amazing John. amazing <production>. on <laughs> that. And, uh, wow. Same thing with the Union Twins. Um, there was just so many Southern artists, and that's why I think it's very like Southern centric. Just how the people he gathered and how they always sounded just perfect on his records. Yeah, and that was one thing. It's like man, he he had so much promise on the production side as a producer. That just, it just never happened. I don't know. Like, I'm really interested about those six years that separate um, his life. Was it, was it, what was the album? Which one? Oh, Crunk uh, Juice. Crunk Juice. Crunk Juice was the last one. Yeah. In 2004. Yeah. And then, of course, it was like six years before he came back. But, like, man, he could have, he really could have had a, a, a ridiculous, I'm thinking Metro booming sides run. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, to your point about him being, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are crunk. You know now, you can be a New York artist, a East Coast artist, even a West Coast artist, and have a trap beat, have a trap mm-hmm. sound. But you really couldn't, if you were from anywhere else but Atlanta, or at least from the South, you really couldn't rap on a trap beat unless you were doing a Lil John song. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't recall. Like I remember very vividly, like Jadakiss and certain artists from the East Coast would rock, would be on Lil Jon. I think Lil. I think Jadakiss is on the Put Your, I think Jadakiss and M.O.P. are on the Put Your Hood Up album. Yep. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was two thousand four, three, something. I gotta look that up. when the Put Your Hood Up album came out. But you had to get with Little John if you wanted that sound. Now right? anyone can just make a trap beat and just you get on a trap beat. and That's yeah. what it is. You couldn't have a crunk song and mm-hmm. you don't have <laughs> Little John. Like this, it production. only works that way. Yeah. Like ha- if it doesn't say featuring Little John, I think you at that time you probably would have been looked at crazy. Or they have been like, "What is this fake ass trap <laughs> <down laughs> beat that you got?" Like Little John would have <laughs> give given it that much yeah, validity the, if you were from. Piscataway, New Jersey, and you wanted to have a crunk ball. Like if Joe Budden wanted a crunk
0: ball, like he would have had, had, like, yeah, had to go to John. Yeah, you can't just uh, Little John type beat. Yeah, yeah Little John. Yeah, there is you no Joe John type be beat. It has to be Lil' John. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I came across something very interesting. Um, in a two thousand and four issue of Vibe, I think this was in December. Um, although, yeah. Like, but it was citing Summer Jam which had happened that summer and it was talking about how Lil John and the East Side Boys had to introduce Fat Joe to the stage <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean that's not a bad way to get introduced though I nah. guess if you're but Fat Joe you're probably like hey Fat this is Fat Joe the intro. this is at
2: the time when lean back everybody's trying to lean back and right. they're not getting conscious mm-hmm. of that mm-hmm. and you would think that Fat Joe would feel like listen I'm just grateful to be here blah 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 and he was for the most part but notably he was just like Man, no offense to Little John, but oh, what's happening here with New York?
1: Oh yeah, you know how he it got, is. He got he got on one of those. He put on his Jam Sport oh, extra man. tight that day underneath his linen shirt.
2: Not that, that lean back is particularly jazz Sport. It was just kind of like oh yeah, sense no, it's a threat.
0: Man. Yeah, you know. I'm mad because he went to Miami with DJ Khaled and was making all those records. That's <laughs> a <laughs> so, so fake. In the, <laughs> in, the, in the warmest of
1: weather, you know with the palmest of trees. <laughs> Holla at me, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's just the yeah. cab The yeah, cat was yeah, strong. Yeah, tight yeah, in the yeah. jazz sport Yeah. Come on, come on, <laughs> Yeah, that's what. <laughs> come on. I, but I always hate that because. You go back in time and you see those moments where right. that's just like oh yeah. That's and I feel like that's always a disconnect because there was always this sense of, Man, what's going on, New York? Yeah. What what it, happened to all of, yeah, no. Nah, it man. makes you not want to credit the South as something like, Oh, this sounds authentic and this is quote unquote real hip hop still. Like mm-hmm. nah, you, you it was always some type of elitism that separated one from the other. And it did. It trickled into what how critics would talk about southern music, you know, they're still looking at it through the lens of New York hip hop and right. what happened to the boom bap. And I, d- I guess I never thought about how John was not a darling; he was pop culture darling, but he was not a darling of the critics.
2: Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a crazy contrast for sure. I mean, I think Crunk was still one of those things that
1: you, people, if you unless you were in those environments where crunk was happening mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you probably really couldn't appreciate it from afar mm. and I, and, I imagine. and and the crazy part about that is is that i never went to the tunnel when a tunnel was a thing in New York. But the stories I hear about the tunnel Mm. sounds a lot like Crunk to me. It sounds like it was very rowdy. It sounds like people were, it was a lot of jumping up and down. It's not like there was a lot of excitement, a lot of energy, people moving. I mean, now you might've gotten your face slashed or chain snatched and some other things, but that's not the part of Crunk. I'm just talking about the energy of being excited and being boisterous and physically showing your excitement under club lights. Yep. To me, the general emotion should be ve- pretty like transferable, right? But for whatever reason, I guess it just it just didn't happen that way. Man, it's
0: cool if it's in a New York tunnel, but not in that like <laughs> <now. laughs> <In Atlanta laughs> tunnel, right? It gotta, has to be like a Lincoln
1: Tunnel. It can't be like man. the tunnel of MJQ or <laughs> right. like, that. like All right, nah, fine.
0: This is <laughs> our God. tunnel. It's our, our tunnel. Our energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know.
1: Have your own. Um. But the other part, the other aspect of the the Little John and Dave Chappelle thing was just that, I guess that whole idea of rappers and entertainers or rappers in movies and TV shows and rappers taking advantage or or hip-hop figures taking advantage of these other mediums to become popular, to make themselves more mainstream. Like When I think about Little John, for whatever reason, I thought a lot about uh, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. And just like being that type of entertainer i mean john did obviously didn't host a show or anything like that but it just made me think about who's the man and um juice and just other uh, above the rim and sunset park and like other um, rappers that have enjoyed success via movies and tv and just Making hip hop bleed over into all of these places. And I feel yeah. like, even though Lil John was by far not the first rapper to appear on a TV show or in a movie, but like you said, his impact of being on the Chappelle show took him a lot, took him to all these places where 50 year old white women can run up on him and say these things. I don't know that 50 year old white women know any juice quotes i don't know that they know (laughs) robin or (laughs) steel or like any of that so i mean i get you know there's something to be said about being a rap figure and using those mediums and going super mainstream with it
2: yeah for sure for sure well i mean the little john impression is like just a small part of dave Chappelle's like hip-hop legacy because you have to remember that before the Chappelle show there was dave Chappelle's block party Mm -hmm. and then you know even going into Chappelle show it's like quest love was his music director or music mm-hmm. supervisor and then you know he's having kanye west come coming before uh, yeah you know what i mean he's my f- my favorite story is that like you know rizza and jizza we're gonna do the racial draft sketch which is i think it's the greatest victory for asian americans of all time <laughs> um, <laughs> RZA and jizza are supposed to appear in the racial draft sketch, but like they end up delaying the shoot for like an hour because Riza went to go check out jay-z's madison square faded black concert across the street
0: crazy
1: that's a decent reason to skip out on Chappelle for a little bit. Hold, hold that thought. I'm going to see
0: Hov. I'll
1: be back. I'll be right back. I'll be back. To be back. I'm going to
0: be honest. If my wife was pregnant, her water broke, <laughs> he and James is across the street, <laughs>
1: still be thinking I'm seeing like, Hov.
0: Yeah, I just need I'm to see, go. Like, just, my kids going to be here. They going to be, they gonna be, Hove, be Hove here. Hov right retiring. This is it. Yo, all right. Chappelle's show was going to be there. He yeah. made the right choice. And you be all, know, you be your
2: wife would never forgive you, though, because of how Jay came back. Cool. She's going to remember. <laughs>
0: I wasn't going to buy Kingdom Come anyway. Here's the prenup, <laughs> <clean> yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, she, she was never going to forgive me. It was going to be a rough life. Yeah, oh, yeah. But you were never going to right hear the end of that one. It was going to be right there. You were never going to hear the end of that one. Do you guys... Why do you feel that skit aged so well? Well, not aged in the sense of like just like uh timeliness, but why is that the skit people remember so fondly? Um, I mean despite the stuff
1: we were talking about earlier with whether it feels uncomfortable or what time has done to perspective and all that kind of stuff, I think it's still a legitimately funny sketch because that's what you know, Little John. That's what you love, Little John, for like if if he was holding a concert right now and that twenty thousand people would scream "What" and "Yeah" and like that's what we want out of him. So, and who better than I mean, if anyone can do it and make it that funny, it probably could only been Dave Chappelle. Like it was so True. physical when you watch <laughs> him do. Like every time he says "What," it's almost like he did this thing with like his <laughs> shoulders and his like he like leaned back and it like. Burst out of him. Like, I don't know what it was weird watching him perform that you realize how physical he was with it. But I think all of those things, like, just make it. I mean, I think his gold teeth were tinfoil, weren't they? Like, it wasn't even like <laughs> he didn't even attempt to get like gold caps or any type of, he just like put aluminum foil across his mouth. Like, it was crazy. So, yeah, I just think, I mean, it's just part of his, it's part of that Chappelle show legacy, it's part of the Little John legacy. Mm. and. That's, I mean, that's pretty. that was pretty strong in itself.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think despite maybe my own complicated feelings about it, and mostly just because like our sense of humor has probably evolved up until this point because mm-hmm. it has been a really long time, I still think it's a loving impression of mm-hmm. Lil John at the end of the day. Like, um, like, I think it still comes from a place of how does this one person have the energy for all this? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine going around in your day-to-day life like being a sensible businessman by day and then going into the club and then doing the what? Yeah. Okay. No, I couldn't do it. Mm-mm. So if anything, little John is a feat of nature and Deja Chappelle appreciates that.
0: I co that. <laughs> I do. I mean, I think that's the thing about John was what made him so infectious was this energy that I didn't recognize. Like I didn't know where it came from. I still don't know where it comes from. Like I just saw him at one of the the Travis Scott show. He was here performing for the Super Bowl, and they did a private show, really small space. And I remember we was in VIP, and it was like your little John's right next to us, and I was like, John's not next to us. And then he walks by, and I'm like, I am j- just hearing the what's <laughs> and the yes in my head, right? Like, and it's, it's just like on site, right? You know, this is ten years, fifteen years, twenty years later, and it's just like you don't forget that like it, it follows him like it's just right there like yeah. the spirit of not just directors but just dave like dave slid like immortalized for sure john yeah in a very like i think i think it's still cool i think when he did it he wanted to like my little brother just mimic someone that was fun yeah he was so right. much fun at the time it was like how can i not be this guy Who wouldn't want to enjoy themselves that much? much, Yeah, that thing. Even John's rowdiest records sounded like fun. Like fucking the club up never sounded so enjoyable. (laughs) Right, Three Six Mafia sounded like war. Yeah, (laughs) for sure, straight war. Mm -hmm. But John, man, you were having a good time. You had a drink in your hand when you put the table over. You know, you kicked that bouncer, but you had a girl in your arm. Like, (laughs) yeah. And the end. That's the thing with it. Like
1: in, in. in three six and maybe in other artists depictions of club life, like it might end in something tragic. It feels like little John's rowdy club songs end in peace like they end in a good night you go home and you're not in handcuffs or in jail or (laughs) you don't have to commit violence to anybody the
0: episode of uh atlanta where they get their money from the club bouncer and they fuck them yeah and then they go to waffle house (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) they're just eating and laughing and then the police report comes up about the the shooting at the club and i feel like that's a little john yeah at the end of a song they go to waffle house and they wait for the report yep that's you know that's a, that's a good way to end the night in Atlanta.
1: Listen, that, you won't get no arguments out of me. <laughs> you definitely not getting any arguments out of me. And I just want to make mention that um I think we deserve a Travis Scott featuring Little John. Oh, I think man. before I think before it's all said and done, I think we all deserve that. When I
0: saw John there, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, all the sense this in the world. This is like all cosmically, yeah, right. right. Yeah, all is right in the universe. Little John and Travis Scott being. Did Lil John coming to see Travis Scott perform. It's yeah. It's cosmic to mm-hmm. me. Like, yeah,
1: because as soon as you said that, my first thought was like, damn, did John jump around? Did John, like, did John mosh pit? <laughs> did John, <laughs> like, these are just things I want to see. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm down to see Lil John lose at the sicko mode. Same. <laughs> I'm Ooh. a thousand percent down to see Lil John
0: lose at the sicko mode. Yes. Sign me up. We need a crunk remix. Mm. I would be down for some little job production in 2019. Absolutely. 100%.
2: I mean him and Ray Shrimmer was amazing.
0: Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, and, and I actually appreciated that Ray Shrimmer
1: took the time to even do that. Because I feel like he like there's fruit off that tree.
0: Yeah, they're the children of the crunk. For sure. <laughs> I think children of the crunk would be a crazy the movie. children under the crunk. <laughs> 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 it's a dope horror yes. movie. That is a dope. <laughs> <laughs> like you
1: walking up the stairs and the stairs just start rattling yeah. and just below the stairs it's just kids jumping around the 808s and hi-hats. Aluminum foil teeth. Yeah, aluminum foil on their <laughs>
0: teeth, <laughs> yeah, teeth yeah, going yeah. ape shit down. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm for that.
2: Yeah, wow. for sure, for sure. That's d- the
0: next black horror film. we need. Yeah, to, we need to
1: definitely take that. Yes, the children under the crunk. But crunk. But <laughs> yeah. Children under the stairs but make it crunk. <laughs> but, 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 but make it crunk. Yeah, I'm for that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think my final thoughts are like it's interesting looking back on this stuff because I think something like a Chappelle show or even something like a Lil John is easy to take for granted now, you know, considering that we're living in the world of like Jordan Peele. And like you said, you know, Ray Shurmur being a, a child of Crunk, children of Crunk, Children you, of crunk. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's two of them. And stuff like There's that. Two, years, two of them. There are. T- yep. Yep. But like, um, it's crazy kind of just looking back because like you get to really appreciate the strides that have, it, that have happened since then. Mm hmm. Oh no. It's weird to think of a time where like Dave Chappelle felt isolated in this comedy universe simply on the strength of the fact that he wasn't white. And then meanwhile, Lil John was isolated in this in the sense that the rest of America hadn't heard of Crunk yet. Mm.
0: Contrast. Crazy. Right? Mm. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine right that time period where we got Dave Chappelle on TV, we got Lil John on the radio. And the world is now becoming accustomed to both of these figures figures of pop culture Dave Chappelle's here forever but now Little John will also be here forever you'll always have like a point of reference for him and it just kind of seemed like there was a moment in time for me at least where I thought the Chappelle show was always going to be on TV and then Little John was always going to be on the radio these were two things that I was pretty sure of when I heard yeah and the Lovers and Friends and then Get Low like he was running a two-step uh snap your fingers my bad yeah was the record like, he had so many jams and Chappelle Show was such an iconic series. I was like, okay, this is this is what life is gonna be. You know, of course it didn't tend to work out that way. But I guess my final thoughts are I wish we still had a space like the Chappelle show that feels like it was for us by us. That even if the world's laughing, we get it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's our jokes, it's our inside jokes. Cause I always loved that, you know, Dave said white people didn't know what skeet skeet meant. Like I love that because I was like, "Shoot, my brother didn't know either," <laughs> <laughs> but my dad did. Yeah, <laughs> so, he wasn't having it. Even though you're on a network like Comedy Central, you're still thinking about jokes that maybe not everyone will get. Mm-hmm. But I know who I, I did it for. Who will get them? Because of course, Little John wasn't um, a man of the of the wider middle America. So even doing the skit, I wondered if he think, man, they they might not get this. Right, they might not even recognize that this is an imitation of somebody that's real. Then there's that part. Yeah, and then it turned out that they were in love with the guy. You know, like they turned into something. Like it became something bigger than what it, he probably could imagine it was going to be, and bigger than John imagined it was going to be. Yeah, I think little John could have got Oprah pregnant in 2004. for <laughs> sure. No cap, <laughs> he had like the windows there. He could have got over
1: pregnant. Yeah. When you when you when you esc- when you elevate yourself to that high of a plane, then all things are possible. we appreciate all y'all who uh sat and listened to this. Uh this is the <laughs> something <laughs> This is the Something to Safe podcast. Um it is produced by uh Michael Saber and uh it was recorded in Swats, Atlanta. I am Jai. I'm Christina and I'm yo. Please uh rate and subscribe. Um, well, I guess we're not on iTunes quite yet, but we'll be on iTunes soon, and then you can rate and subscribe. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Audio Mac, on SoundCloud, and um, yeah, that's what we'll be.
2: Club 559 forever.